You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace be upon you all and welcome to another edition of the Drive Time Show with myself Saad and brother Sajil today with me at this studio. Zakla everyone for tuning in today and we have two exciting topics which we will be presenting exciting guests who will be um, enlightening us with their wisdom also. Um, throughout the two shows today in the very first hour we will be speaking about um the floods which happened in Pakistan mm. a year ago um the uh, Pakistan floods one year on and then in the second hour we will be speaking about faith first do not get distracted by worldly pursuits right after this assalamu alaikum shajil how are you assalamu peace be upon you and uh, peace be upon uh, all of our listeners as well um it's uh, like you mentioned some interesting topics that we're going to be speaking about as well um firstly you know like you mentioned we're going to be talking about the floods which happened in Pakistan um in 2020 uh, 2022 and the the effects of that how that has or how much sort of destruction that caused but also at the same time some other things that we need to remember in regards to when it when we do when we do see these uh, these events such as these taking place such as natural disasters yes the humanitarian work which happens after that as well is something which um, which is very much applaudable as well yes and uh, you know it, it is something that is positive but at the same time when you know these floods happen when these natural disasters happen we need to understand why are they happening in the first place correct not in the sense of you know how they are happening um because obviously that's that's a whole sort of scientific sort of scope isn't it or or, or geog- geographic geographical scope as well we're not really going to talk a little bit about that what we what we want to focus on is you know with all of these natural disasters is there a bigger picture at hand mm-hmm. and was there something which sort of indicated that you know in a particular time in the future there there are going to be these natural disasters happening on various occasions Correct. quite frequently and the scale the magnitude of those natural disasters are going to be such that they will wipe out um or they have the potential to wipe out a large um amount of people as well so we will tap into that a little bit later on as the show prog- progresses as well is some food for thought isn't it and uh, of course like i mentioned the humanitarian works which um you know which people come together charities ngos um across across the nation but across um the world at large as well um where we see that people come together and uh, try to help those people who are in distress help those people to to you know get back on their um get back on their feet get Indeed. on with their lives as well even though it can be a difficult task yes, you know, at end. the topic today is about Pakistan and the Pakistan floods a year on hmm. so they happened in 2022 these yeah. floods which were which were very massive at that time so we are remembering the time of 2022 today what happens sometimes is that a natural disaster happens and disaster happens but we suddenly um what's it called we say we forget about it hmm. as, as, uh, and then after that what happens is that you just you just read them in history 
Yeah. Right. So just speaking about it today, speaking with those who were um, present there, who were yeah. helping out the volunteers yeah. at that very time, the, the relief teams. So to see what happened at at the first experience and first hand experience, first hand, yeah. first hand yeah. experience, to, and hopefully our listeners will be able to understand what happens behind the scenes mm. because we here sitting in the UK, we were just able to see what. Um, the TV or, or the media were showing us or mm. the social or the social posts which were coming through but listening and speaking with the um, the people who were there present there and that would be quite uh, unique and interesting to um, see what happens yeah. so you know um, Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran verily those who out of fear of their Lord always stay in God against sins and those who believe in the sign of the Lord's, and this is mentioned in chapter 23, verse 58, 59. Then the surah goes um, on to state that these people do not ascribe partners to God and are not those who only remember God in difficulty, um, turbulent times, and forget Him in peaceful times. Mm. They turn to God with greater in, uh, intensity in times when they um, face difficulties or um, observe you know these um, um, natural these, disasters, these changes, or, yes. yeah, climate changes as well, whatever it may be. Because we can talk about a lot of different things. Because climate change, uh, you know, global warming or climate change, or whatever you want to call it. Um, now they do call it climate change. Um, it leads to many different things. Yes, it leads to many natural disasters being caused. Uh, which you know, uh, to be caused as well. We see that happening on a on a larger scale also and it's very important just like you mentioned before as well that sometimes we you know we come across sort of a a natural disaster yes. we come across um you know an earthquake which happened it could be in pakistan it could be you know just we're talking specific specifically we're talking about this flood which happened in pakistan in 2022 right the couple of months ago or not even a month ago weeks ago actually yes um uh morocco was hit with a very very high scale uh, earthquake as well and they haven't experienced such an earthquake for many 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 years decades even just a few weeks before that there was a massive earthquake um, towards the southern and eastern part of Turkey yes and that was devastating as well indeed and I mean do we hear about that do we see about that what about the people that lost their lives what about the people that lost their families their 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 houses their businesses everything yes. um you know we don't we don't sort of talk about that after it's done so Indeed. this is why it's important that like just like you mentioned we need to talk about we need to accept the fact that it happened in the first place we need to sort of look at those people who were affected yes and uh, of course give, give credit to the people who helped them correct just before we tap into the stats what happened in pakistan mm-hmm. and yeah. or how um how how much um land was underwater i just want to tap in into um before we go into what earthquakes are and yeah. what um floods even are so um you know earthquakes um is basically when um, um into t- the world is um, split into well my, my wording started suddenly i had a, a small this i was unable to get get out mm-hmm. some tangled words as well okay the world when it is split into tectonic plates basically right. you know yeah. tectonic plates are constantly moving around the earth and occasionally tectonic plates can cause f- um, f- friction because um the tectonic uh, the plates are trying to move 
and um, but when they get stuck and this is when the friction is caused hmm. and then sudden while um violent shakes happen um in um off the ground and this leads um for the earthquakes to occur yeah. and this is uh, simply paraphrasing really quickly yeah. but obviously there there are different types of movement there uh, i remember them reading and uh, learning them in geography at, hmm. um in, in school hmm. uh, very 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 some time back and also for example um floodings yeah um according to the world health organization flooding is the most frequent type of natural disaster to occur and this is when an overflow of water submerges the land and floods are often co- caused by very um heavy rainfall heavy raindrop um, and rapid um slow uh, snow melt or storm surges hmm. and um for in from a top um from a tro- tropical um cyclone or tsunami from the coastal areas mm, mm. and there's all other things which are from our side also which can happen is pure to, uh, due to poor maintenance yeah that's one um, um that's one major um, cause, major cause well. also so basically what happens is poor or in um, insignificant um drainage system or network so when heavy rainfall comes there's no way the water to flow anywhere and so mm. it gets is stationary in one different one place yeah. and that makes the land to be submerged and also um the water course hasn't been maintained properly and uh, blocked pathways for the water to to drain but you you have the system there mm. but it's blocked due to um whatever has been stuck inside there could mm. be just a um, mud or could be a man um astering um garbage oh, litter, yeah, litter yeah. yes into into those dry drainage mm. pipes just just so we're able to uh, show the roads are clean but underneath it's all dirty mm. yeah it's true <laughs> so, it's true so, so uh, like like you mentioned it's sometimes it's uh, you know natural disaster is a natural disaster it occurs on its own but we affect that um conditionally or unconditionally as well whether we know it or whether we don't know it as well Correct. and sometimes just like you mentioned um just because we want you know we want you know we can't be bothered to hold a hold a cup anymore we just throw it away either throw it in the bin or throw it in the drainage system and a lot of people do th- throw just you know the rubbish into the drains as well you know the small drains that you see on the on the street and when that happens on a on a larger scale and it rains heavily as well that is what causes a can cause a flood if the drainage yes. systems aren't flowing properly if they're not maintained properly if there's not enough of them as well so like you mentioned that when you're talking about earthquakes m- particularly or mostly earthquakes will happen around those tectonic plates right Correct. so over here in the UK we will not really experience that much of an earthquake because the closest one to us is in between Spain and Morocco right mm-hmm. so there is a tectonic plate which flows around there as well so we can feel if if an earthquake of a high magnitude occurs we can sort of feel it a little bit maybe but to say that we can feel it as if You know, the, the, you know because we're not on that tectonic plate as well you're on the borders of that but when it comes to floods and uh, like we're talking about today it is something that can happen and we have seen that happen as well in uh, you know here in the UK as well Correct. we've seen that happen in northern uh, in northern england in scotland as well we've seen it happen in, in in even in the midlands in the south here in london um sometimes you know it's something that we need to make sure that we need to um do what we can into try and you know prevent these problems as well to to, to occur um or make 
sort of the, the damage that which, which which can be caused to reduce that as much as possible. Correct. Shaji, we have our very first guest with us to talk us um, talk with us more about the um, um, disaster which happened yeah. in Pakistan. We have Mavish Habib um, who donated actively uh, during the time of floods. With this short um, introduction, I would like to welcome her to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Zakla, first for for joining us today on such an um, important remembrance, we uh, we can say Remembrance Day. Um, I wanted to ask, um, how uh, did it feel that you and your family um, to be donating actively um, during the floods? Uh, did you feel any sense of achievement at that time? Asinojazah for your um, invitation. Yes, indeed, I felt um, blessed that I was able to help that vast number of people. Um, we don't, we had been donating ever since the flood happened, and we are still donating at the moment. Um, we've been um, donating hundreds of bags, and that covered 400 to 500 people, um, around five, four to five villages. It was. Um, I felt very blessed doing that. That um, then, while I was donating, I realized how blessed I am that I don't have to beg others for food, for clothes. Mm-hmm. I have a shelter to live in. I have a roof over my head. I have my tap. Um, I've got water um, coming through my tap. So yeah, I felt very blessed doing all that. Mashallah. Um, um, maybe should say if, if I can ask you, you know, um. What benefits um, did um, you, um, you see from to while donating um, to these um, um, disaster a disaster when it happened in Pakistan? Uh, as you mentioned before, you you're still um, donating. So um, giving um, donations obviously can um, also be very tough, and some might not be able to afford. What um, um, what would you say is the most rewarding thing um, for donating also? Nearness to Allah, I would say, because when we are helping others, Allah may help us. He, he provides us many ways to help others. And um, it brought happiness to a number of faces. Mm-hmm. It built a number of families. And a lot of children, a lot of families, a lot of sickly. Um, I cannot give it, um, give a number to the blessings that we receive in return of helping others through dona- making donations. Yes, a lot of people cannot afford to make such huge donations, but every little helps. People have been helping with like five pounds, one pounds. Every little counts because when we send money to Pakistan to buy food and um, all the groceries for the affected people, it doubles up. It doubles in hundreds. Indeed. So, for example, if we send one pound to Pakistan, it um, these days it's like three hundred rupees, Correct. which is a lot. So, um, I have been doing some um, uh, cake sales. I've been sending clothes. I've been asking people for their used clothes. So, whenever the weather changes, people would um, empty their wardrobes. They would give me their clothes. So even if people are not able to um, donate any money, mm-hmm. they they give me stuff. They give me their used clothing and. Uh, Clothing that is in good condition that can be reused. So it's not just the food that we've been helping with. We've been helping um, others using. Um, we've been helping others by providing a lot of essentials too. Indeed, um, Sister Mavish, uh, just bef- uh, before we let you go, obviously, um, if you can tell us more, if if for example someone gets wants to get involved in let's say donating to Pakistan in their own means, how can they do that? Okay, so um, my 
family, a lot of my family, my in-laws mainly, they live in uh, Sindh area. And Sindh area is mainly affected by the flooding. Correct. So we, uh, I have a lot of people um, working for us there. So I send them money. They buy um, groceries, they buy whatever is needed. And then they uh, make bags and they pull out people. They tell that we're going to have donations on this day, from this day to that day. So people travel from different villages because they have already given us their ID cards. So we have ID cards in hundreds and thousands. Mm-hmm. So we contact them individually. So And it's also a word of mouth. So we tell them and whoever wants to make a donation, they would give us money that please donate on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So once I have a big, uh, a large sum of money collected, I send it to Pakistan and it usually happens every other month. Mashallah. Um, Sister Mavish for joining us today and telling us um, um, about the disaster which happened in Pakistan and how we can help them also. Um, I hope and pray that you uh, your work keeps rewarding you also and the, and hopefully the members who are um, affected in Pakistan will be able to reap the benefits also. Zakla for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Zakla. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. So this was Sister Habib, uh, Sister Mahvish uh, Habib, mm. who has been, you know, actively donating um, since the uh, disaster um, disaster occurred in 2022, and still donating even now. Yeah. So this um, speaking to her, I understood one thing: it's just not the, the time when the disaster struck. Um, you just need donations or need the help, but even afterwards, when from the after effects. Um, they they still need that help to be able to sort out their lives. Absolutely, because Absolutely. It, a disaster comes, we we might help them for the first ten fifteen days, let's say, mm. just to say per se, and but afterwards to help them, um, no one thinks about it. And as Sister Mavish just explained, it's a continuation. You still have to keep going, and no yeah. no there isn't there isn't a, a stop to it. Yeah, literally because. Let's say you know a family is living their life, uh, you know, is going about their daily routine, right? Yes. Kids are at school. The you know the parents maybe at work or whatever, and suddenly a natural disaster happens, and then you literally, from whatever you had going on in your life, you're literally gone to zero, right? Indeed. And to get back, you know, upon your feet, listen to you know listen to your advice that people the professionals are giving where to even stay because let's just say for example your house is destroyed your car is gone your 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 everything is finished where do you even go from that Correct. if you're building up from zero um again that's 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 such a that's such a long process that a mere one or two weeks or even a few months might not be able to to cut it Correct. you might you know literally to get to for a person even a family to get back onto their feet is is a difficult task. Yes. Just to give some some statistics in regards to or some further detail in regards to the you know, you know the flood which happened in uh, in in Pakistan in 2022. Um, this is according to British Red Cross and UNICEF. That now the flood according to them submerged more than one third of Pakistan, and uh, so a third of Pakistan was underwater. That now Pakistan is a big country. It's, it's bigger than, it's, you know, the square kilometers. Bigger than the UK, right? Okay. So let's. So if we if we think, 
a third of the UK. That's quite a lot, isn't it? So a third of <coughs> Pakistan going underwater. That's you know that's quite a major part of the country. <coughs> it received 190% of its normal rainfall in July and August. Yes. So that is, you know, like you mentioned, the the when it rains heavily, continuously, and also when the drainage system doesn't sort of help it as well. When the drainage system is literally practically nothing over there and countries like that as well heavy rainfall on on a continuous sort of uh, endless cycle you know two months um it received 190% of its rainfall right so obviously it was going to you know you know something you know a natural disaster was awa- was waiting to happen of course more than 33 million people were actually impacted by this now this could be like this could be in different ways as well now um, talking about districts, how many regions, right? So 90 districts were actually here mm-hmm. and an estimated 8 million people were actually displaced. So 8 million people. Sometimes we see we see that, you know, Syrian refugees or other refugees from other countries, they come in. They come in in the hundreds and thousands. Uh, they do come in the millions as well. But 8 million people in, the, in, 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 in a country you know, they were actually um, displaced. But obviously, more than that, you know, 33 million people were actually impacted as well. Correct. Now, 5,000 people were found to be dead or uh, or injured. And 8 million people, like I mentioned, were, were affected in this way that they were displaced. The, the houses were, you know, sort of no more. And half of those affected were actually children, right? So 4 million you can say they were children. Young children being yeah. affected who just have started going to school, they're learning what life is all about, they're mm. understanding the education system and suddenly they're struck by a natural disaster and they've, they've all that has um, been put onto a halt. Yeah. And like Sister Mavish or many other people who were um, working, unsung heroes, mm. I would say, mm. helping them out to be able to restart um, the lives of those who have been impacted Literally. and you know it's 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 an ongoing battle every day to help everyone out and even for example there's a charity organization humanity first who have been helping very in various aspects not just for the um the pakistan um, um, disaster but many other disasters which happen throughout the world mm. and they help out and no one knows who they are where they're from and these are unsung heroes, and yeah. and this is the beauty of humanity, right? Exactly, and it's true. It's true because when you see people who are there who are trying to help out, and they are doing their bit um, in trying to alleviate their pain, the people that are affected, it's it is a very commendable um, job indeed. Indeed. Now, um, Pakistan, as we know, is heavily sort of um, relies on its uh, agriculture. Yes. Right, and uh, if you know because you know it grows, you know wheat grows over there. Many uh, fruits and vegetables grow over there. Rice grows over there as well, and uh, various other things as well. Now, four million acres of agricultural land was actually destroyed and damaged as well. So that's that's quite a lot as well. That's quite a lot of acres. Four million. Now the flood. Um, damaged most of the water systems um, in the affected areas, forcing uh, forcing more than 
5.4 million people to rely solely on contaminated water from, you know, obviously after, you know, there's ponds and wells as well, which are contaminated, which were contaminated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, just, you know, just nearly five and a half million people had to rely on that as well, dirty water. Yes. Now, the probability of future serious flooding in Pakistan is actually quite high as well. Indeed. So they did get hit by a very uh, devastating flood last year, but the chances of that happening again in this year is 72%. So we are in, I mean, we did, we, we have gone past August, September, and we are in October right now. And we haven't seen, we haven't seen it like happen like that at the moment. And hope you know. I mean, hopefully we don't as well. Um, God willing, we don't see that. But it is possible that Indeed. it can happen as well. Seventy-two percent. You know, you mentioned about the four million acres of agricultural land yeah. being destroyed. You know, um, many uh, from us. I'm from my origin is from Pakistan, and we have um, obviously I've, I'm, I wasn't born there, but uh, my father and my mother both. Are connected with agriculture hmm. in one sh- uh, shape or, or the other, they understand this kind of um, um, system or the theme of agriculture very deeply, and um, obviously when when we when we see this and you tell them about this, they they find that they, f- also they the, feel it more, feel it more they feel than it more. ourselves who exactly li- living here in in in, in the city, yeah, because I remember it wasn't this uh, it was another another disaster which happened and quite. A, a, place of land was destroyed and they understood hmm. the value of land because the land is the income of, of so, um, source of income sorry for them in Pakistan, in Pakistan especially because they grow yeah. sugar cane wheat and other stuff also a lot of, a lot, a lot yeah. of stuff Literally. and they understand it more deeply because they have lived that life hmm. before migrating to UK or be it throughout the in, throughout the world anywhere hmm. So they understand it more than you know, me sitting here. And th- this is the beauty of agriculture, that it provides everything for be it food, um, or be it clothes. Hmm. You know, these things are provided through cotton, wheat and everything, just to um, make a, a living. Hmm. They have seen that. So obviously, if, um, we as we move on, uh, we have another guest, we, we are able to speak to them beforehand. Um, Sanj Shrikant who um, um, are a Shelterbox Chief Executive and we were able to speak to him earlier today here's what Sanj had to say For today's show we have Sanj Shrikantan which, who is a Chief Executive for Shelterbox Hi Sanj, thanks for being on the show today Thank you for having me Sabiha like, uh, just to make a note that Sanj is in, in the Philippines, so there is a bit of delay in this interview, but it's all good. We can hear you fine, Sanj. Um, could you tell us a bit about Shelterbox, what it is you do? Yes, Shelterbox is a disaster relief charity. So after flooding or earthquakes or volcanoes or even conflict, we will go in to help people who have lost their homes providing them with shelter and with blankets and mosquito nets and cooking sets and solar lights and all the things to rebuild their homes and to begin to recover their lives. Hmm. Um, So I've looked a bit on your website and there's a lot of values 
that you um, as a charity have. Could you just outline your values and tell our listeners about what you're hoping to achieve with those values? Yeah, so uh, there are four values that we talk about, uh, flexity, flexibility, learning, integrity, and partnership. So integrity for us is doing the right thing, which means providing the aid that people want and not what we think they want. And so we talk to them to discover what are the things that will help you rebuild your home. We believe in participation, which is working with local partners. And in the case of Pakistan, in our response to the floods, we worked with Islamic Relief, who are much closer to the community there. Uh, and that work has been great. We believe in flexibility, which is sometimes the plan changes. And we're discovering that again in Pakistan, where the aid we provide is now different to what we thought we were going to provide because we're trying to build shelters and houses that are more flood proof than before so that they are mm -hmm. better protected the next time. And the last part, learning, is a really important value because nobody's perfect. And we always, after a distribution of aid, ask, what could we have done better? And we ask the community, is there anything we can do to improve next time? So really, our values run through all our work. Yeah. Um how so in terms of the pakistan floods how have you been able to help the people of pakistan during and uh, after the floods well it's great that we're talking about this one year on from the floods because the effect is still being felt in pakistan over 33 million people affected and the flooding was not normal it was contributing uh, contributed to by the changing weather and yeah. we went in and worked mainly in Sindh province to provide uh, emergency shelter, but also some money to each family because, believe it or not, there was a drought before the flooding and a lot of uh, families borrowed money to buy food in the market. Mm. So the cash we gave them helped them rebuild their homes, but also to buy food in the market. And uh, we also discovered that animals had drunk contaminated flood water and so could not be sold in the market. So mm. many families lost income. So the problems are, are many. And I think the challenge was it affected so many parts of Pakistan that there was so much work to do. And we were happy to play a small part in, in that response. Yeah. Um, when talking about uh, disaster relief, we, all, we always think about the short-term relief that needs to be done but one year on what still needs to be done to help the people of Pakistan? Well we've done three rounds of aid uh, since the flooding started and, and a team is going back to Pakistan shortly to work with Islamic Relief because the work that needs to be done is not just to build back a house mm. but a house that can withstand most flooding the time because Unfortunately, due to climate change, the weather is changing and more extreme weather is going to come to Pakistan. So the design of the house is, yes, more complicated, but also uh, more durable uh, against future floods. So that's what we're working on. And some of those designs include building a house on a platform so that it's raised above the ground level. Yeah. And these are communities that are the poorest. They have nothing. They couldn't afford to build um, a house like that without assistance. So um, it's it's really vital to do that because they can't lose everything again. They 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 yeah. simply can't. Yeah. Um. So you were mentioning a lot about how houses need to be built and 
all the other care that needs to be taken care of. So how are you funded as a charity and are these funds actually enough? Well, the flooding in Pakistan caused billions of damage. And of course, we don't receive that much. But what we do receive is through the generosity of the public in Britain, as well as companies and trusts and foundations who want to help. And we try and make that money go as far as possible by focusing on the most vulnerable communities, the ones that have lost the most and have the least money to rebuild. Uh, and we try yeah. and help them. And we help them with as much as we can, but in emergency shelter. So we are really focused on providing shelter. Uh, we don't provide other things like medicine or food. Yeah. Uh, other agencies do that. And the reason is that this is something we are very proud of and good at. So we focus on doing that really well. So when explaining the work that you do, obviously there's a lot of pressure and stress on your team, like your charity as a whole. So how do the volunteers, the workers cope with this pressure and stress that they have? Yes, it, it's a really good question. One of the hardest things I hear from teams who go out to these responses is the emotional impact yeah. of saying no to people because there isn't enough aid for everyone. And it's really hard to tell someone you know who deserves aid that there are people that need it more and there isn't enough for you. Yeah. And then they come home and they have to deal with this and process this. And we do a lot of emotional support, well-being, taking leave, talking with colleagues who have been there and done that before um, because it can really haunt your life in the worst case you're trying mm. to do good out there but you you know it'll never be enough for everyone and and that can be really difficult on your mental health so it's really important we don't let people go away when they come back and not talk to anyone they have to talk yeah so do you have like support groups or people who are trained to yes uh yeah yeah we we, we have staff who are mental health first aiders we do uh, trauma risk management training courses. Um, we offer counseling. Um, we also offer a chance to debrief on your mission so that you can hear from others who were not on your mission that you did a good job and that yeah. you should be proud. And yeah, things like that are sure. really important. Yeah. For sure. Um, lastly, how can people find out more about Shelterbox? Well, if they would like to support or learn more about what we do shelterbox.org is the website to go to you can put that in your uh, google search and there we tell you about our current responses as well as past responses like pakistan where we are still helping yeah. um, and you can learn how you can be part of uh, the shelterbox world and support us thanks so much sand and we just want to thank you on behalf of us of all the work that you do i know it's a lot and you guys are doing a great job from what you have mentioned. So thanks a lot for coming onto the show. And I hope you have a nice Thank rest you, of your Sophia. day. Thank you. Thanks so much. This was a recording with Sanj um, earlier today, who is a Shelterbox chief executive. You know, as Sanj men mentioned, um, the main focus is on, you know, um, providing shelter and they're good at providing shelter and, different teams are um, there for 
medical stuff, clothing, etc., etc. Mm. But the main, the what they're good at is, is, is trying to provide shelter for those who are in distress at that very point. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing which stood out especially is um, what are the press um, pressure and and the stress the response teams feel. And um, and Sanj beautifully answered it. I'm obviously I'm re- repeating, so it's out again um, with, um, with 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 our mem- listeners today. Yeah. yeah, is that saying the word no is the hardest for them because everyone um, is there um, to help them, and but obviously due to lack lack of um, the availability. They have to refuse at at one point that we don't have anything anymore, and that is the, the hardest thing to say at that very point when you are there to help them out and use you and may you have to say sorry, it's awful or it's we out of capacity or we don't have it available anymore. Mm. So these are the very things. It's true. It's true. Yes. Uh, some things that we you know we want to talk about as well. Is uh, we mentioned this before as well that how does how does a country sort of make itself more susceptible to flooding, right? Correct. Sometimes it can be man-made, you know, man-made things such as you know we don't take care of the drainage systems, we litter a lot. There's a lot of pollution. All of these things have a factor to play in as well, isn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Now, one thing which should be understood is that Pakistan is a country which is susceptible um, to monsoons. And, you know, obviously those people who are aware about monsoons, there's a lot of rainfall. Um, and that could be in, 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 the, in, the, in the summer months as well. And this is because of its location. And the location of it is because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's right next to the Himalayan mountains. And it's, uh, it's neighboring countries such as uh, India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Myanmar. These countries are also susceptible, susceptible to, to, to a lot of rainfall as well. Indeed. Now, the Indus River um, sort of swells during the monsoon season and occasionally breaches the, the, uh, the embankments, uh, the embark- the embankments mm-hmm. and that also causes the, the, the areas which are sort of around that, adjacent to that, to flood as well. Now, this river actually lies um, on the on the foothills of the Himalayan range and flows straight through Pakistan. And it covers the a lot of different um, sort of uh, areas, such as the southern Punjab, Sindh, um, before it also reaches the Arabian Sea as well. So it literally goes all the way through the country. And so the, the majority of Pakistan's population lives on its borders, uh, of you know of his rivers, mm-hmm. and this is uh, because of the because of, you know because of obviously the fresh water, and um, it's coming directly from the mountains, right? So the water that they get is fresh, especially in the northern areas. Indeed, but around that, because it overflows, and uh, the embankments of that because of the heavy rainfall, it comes out of there. It overflows. There's a surplus of water, and that is what causes the, the you know the the flooding to take place as well. Indeed. And obviously, there's no particular drainage system to actually channel the water in a different way or to put it in the sewers and then sort of recycle that water as we have here in 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 western countries or developed countries um because we have to understand that pakistan is actually a developing country mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a third world country i mean 
you mean whatever you mean third world country you can call it that as well but it's it's not a developed country right even if you look at india it's it's got much more population much more people it's a bigger country as well much bigger but it's more developed than pakistan obviously some places may vary now what has um what has his holiness said in regards to this as well his holiness the the worldwide head of the ahmadi muslim community who is the fifth caliph of the promised messiah upon whom be peace Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. He mentioned on the 27th of uh, of January 2006 that with reference to the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, writings uh, elucidating why innocent lives are not lost in disasters, His Holiness related the famine of Mecca when the poor lost when the poor lost their lives and the wicked Abu Jahl who was an who was an opponent of Islam, he survived, saying that the chastisement or the punishment is only for the wrongdoer. The innocent are martyred and they have glad tidings. Now, also referring to the San Francisco earthquake occurring in, 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 in the time of the Prophet Messiah upon whom be peace, he said that he did not consider that those, occur, you know, that those occurred because of the rejection of his truth, but that the denial of his truth has been a cause of the earthquakes because Allah the Almighty states that uh, the punishment of disasters does not befall upon people unless a prophet has been sent to them as well. So we can talk a little bit more in regards to that as well, a little yes. bit later on as well. We'll come back to this. Of course. Um, we have our guest with us online, um, Saleh Saeed. Um, they are a CEO of the DEC. And I will um, uh, welcome him to the show. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, Saleh? Wa alaikum as salam wa rahmatullah. I'm fine, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Zakla for joining us on such an important uh, topic today about the disasters which occurred in Pakistan, especially. Um, first of all, we wanted to ask, what is DEC all about? If you can let let our listeners know. Sure. Um, so the DEC is uh, short for the Disasters Emergency Committee. Mm-hmm. It's an independent charity that actually represents the 15 largest humanitarian uh, uh, relief charities here in the UK. So we're a membership body of organisations such as the British Red Cross, uh, Oxfam Save the Children, Christian Aid, Islamic Relief and many others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is about using their expertise in a range of countries that are prone to emergencies or disasters, mm-hmm. whether they be earthquakes, floods, as we've obviously seen in Pakistan, or uh, conflict-style emergencies, such as we've seen in Yemen and in Syria and Sudan and, and elsewhere. Uh, but uh, we also have a very strong partnership with the uh, broadcasters here in the UK, so that includes BBC, ITV, Sky, Channel 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. And our unique strength comes from mobilising the British public when a major emergency happens. Indeed. So as you imagine, most people would see the news. In the case of the Pakistan floods, people would in the UK would obviously be seeing the, the terrible images and how people have lost their family members lost their land, yes. lost their homes and so forth. And we were able to work with the broadcast partners to launch these nationwide appeals. Um, and as a consequence, we receive uh, millions of pounds of donations from the public, which then gets spent, of course, on the ground through our members and their local partners. 
the interest of, of obviously as you mentioned, the public raises millions of of pound but for how is a appeal even launched and what are the steps um required to do this um so the initial steps are of course to make sure that the membership is right that we have a good uh, partners with expertise mm-hmm. um, and access to countries that are prone to emergencies. Uh, these are the big, well-known brands. You know, I've mentioned you know the Red Cross, Islamic Relief, uh, Save the Children, Oxfam, and the like. Because we, you know, we could end up raising a lot of money if we don't have the expertise and the access to spend it efficiently and effectively. That, of course, won't be good. So that's the first step. Yes. And the second step is. Um, making sure that we uh, uh, reach as many people in the UK as possible, and that is clearly through a very strong media outreach programme. We have um, these uh, national appeals on BBC, on ITV and others, which tend to follow the news. So uh, that generates a lot of money, and of course that money comes into the DC and we distribute it amongst the members based on their capacity. Uh, But what I must say is it's also based on, on years of trust. Um, the public uh, trust the DEC to launch the right appeals at the right time, and they trust the DEC to make sure that that money is spent wisely, effectively. Uh, so when the next emergency happens, you know, we're, we're well placed uh, based on that trust that we have with the British public to uh, launch these appeals and raise that money efficiently and to spend it effectively. Zakla for um, such a, a such an answer, and mm. obviously um, the it's been, it's been a year since um, the Pakistan floods have occurred, but I wanted to ask is what has been done there to help them so far, and what help is still required? So the good news is that uh, Alhamdulillah in the um, UK we raised an incredible forty eight million pounds for the Pakistan floods. Um, and that's testimony to the generosity of uh, the public um, and including in that the Muslim uh, community and the Pakistan diaspora in particular. Um, and also we received uh, uh, money from the UK government to support and many corporates and trusts and foundations. Uh, £48 million is a lot of money, but yes. in the grand scale of the damage and uh, the impact of the disaster of the floods, um, you know, it it, it 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 won't go very far. So we had to be very focused on targeting the most vulnerable communities. And I was fortunate enough to visited Pakistan uh, a few months ago to see for myself how that money was being spent. And I'll give you an example. We visited uh, these mobile health clinics. You can imagine people's lives are being turned upside down and. Um, uh, many have health issues. Uh, for example, nutri- some of the children were suffering from malnutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, mothers themselves who just recently had babies were also suffering from nutrition. So it's a matter of being able to support those. There was the vaccination programs that were going and the distribution sometimes of the most basic and simple medicines to help people uh, uh, survive, if you like. Um, But we also saw the distribution of um, cash uh, payments. Um, This might surprise some of your listeners, but we've tested this thoroughly where often it's better to give community a cash gift uh, of something close to sort of £40, £50 so that they can go 
and buy the things they need from the local market. Interesting. Uh, this is then means that they, you know, they, they respect their dignity and they're able to buy the things they need when they want it, as it were. Having said that, you know, people also received winter kits, so blankets, uh, yes. you know, warm clothing, sanitary equipment, hygiene equipment, uh, and many other things. Um, and, and some more sort of specialist support including for the farmers, uh, distribution of uh, flood-resistant seeds, for example, so that they could start to uh, plant their farms, their seeds, and um, grow uh, crop and sell that on the market so that they're able to stand on their own feet. That gives you an example of the kind of work that we uh, have supported and continue to support in Pakistan. Interesting. And, you know, um, Brother Saleh, you be you have experienced it um the first time you've been working um with um the, the disaster committee for um some time now are there any mm. stories that you are able to share with our, us and our listeners um, where a difference has been made to someone's personal life or to their families sure i'd be happy to do that i mean i've been so so fortunate to meet so many incredible uh people survivors of um uh, disasters and for the Pakistan floods. Um, one child uh, is um, 10 year old Ira, who sadly fell seriously ill with malaria during the uh, floods that uh, washed away their family's home. And you can imagine roads and medical facilities were all damaged, and access to healthcare was very, very difficult. Um, there's a lot of dirty water and mosquitoes. Um, increased in number and it meant a lot of people sadly uh, got malaria and um, 10 year old Ira sadly got malaria but it was thanks to one of our charities on the ground who was able to uh, through that the mobile health clinic I mentioned uh, earlier um, Ira's mother uh, took uh, her to uh, the clinic and she was able to receive um, the medical treatment that she needed and um, it's because of that intervention and that medical clinic and obviously yes. the funds that we were able to raise that era was able to receive that treatment and survive the very severe case of malaria uh, that that she had um, so much so that we actually used era's case as an example and we as part of our drive to report back i don't know obviously your listeners will be familiar with the wonderfully painted trucks in pakistan um, and we painted a picture of Ara and uh, other people who benefited from the appeal so that others would know their story, but also to thank everybody who, who donated to the, to the appeal. So that's just one example of many, many of thousands of people that have been supported in Pakistan and elsewhere. You know, Brother Talat, this is such a heartwarming um, story about um, um, this uh, um, small child, Ara. And how can we as the general public get involved um, and help out um, with the Disaster Emergency Committee? Uh, so we would ask people just to go uh, and search for the Disasters Emergency Committee uh, online and you, you, they'll come across our website. The website address is dec.org.uk. I'll repeat that. That's dec.org.uk. Uh, and there there'll be more details about what the DEC is, how we work, but also our current appeals. And at the moment, I'm sure your listeners will be very familiar with 
The most recent major uh, international disaster has been the uh, earthquake in Turkey and Syria. So if people want to help towards that, uh, of course, we would be very, very grateful. Um, but I'd also, at the same time, uh, just say a huge thank you. I'm sure many of your listeners, uh, we have already donated to the Pakistan floods, whether through the DEC or through any other reputable mm-hmm. charities. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for your support. And may Allah reward you all for your um, generosity um, and support. Zakhlabrath Saleh for joining us today and enlightening our listeners with the this was Brother Saleh, who um, is the, um, the CEO of the uh, DEC. You know, um, work is, is so commendable to listen to, you know, these people. I always say this again, they, these are the unsung heroes. They are working in the background. They're there whenever a disaster is struck. They're helping out, trying to make their lives who have been struck with these um, um, disasters and help make their lives a bit better mm-hmm. than as, as it is because they went from hundreds to zero suddenly. Yeah, they have yeah not, literally. Everything is just wiped away and unfortunately. So one year on, Shajil, one year on, uh, people in Pakistan, they're still continuing um, mm. to suffer even after um, t- um, t- when the floods uh, struck them in July 2022. The economic impact was is estimated at thirty billion dollars, mm. and requiring sixteen billion dollars to for the reconstruction alone. Yeah, yeah. Climate-related floodings has transformed land once arable for rice and wheat, and for many other things, into floodplains, mm. depriving many individuals of their livelihood. Yeah. Challenges, uh, challenges in access, um, accessing clean water and food add to significant health concerns. No, it's uh, that. I mean, there. Are, I mean, there. Are, there is a, The list is quite long, isn't it? Uh, how these people were affected as well, and just like our guests spoke about today, um, you know, it's it's important that we that we talk about the the disasters that happened, so that we can remember again and then donate again, help out again. And just like you mentioned, these people are—they are, they are uns, uh, un, unsung heroes. That they do go out there, they help the people, they alleviate their pain, and uh, they try their best so that the people that were affected that they can, you know, somewhat get back to get back to normality, isn't it? Yes. And you know, all of it, all of this, you know, shows or goes to show that we can't take anything for granted. Indeed. And all the good things that you want to do, you need to do them. You know, before it's too late, and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we don't want to end on a sad note. We want to end on a note that you know, may Allah, with a prayer that may Allah the Almighty help the people that are affected by you know that were affected by this flood, other um, natural disasters such as earthquakes, tsunamis, you know, whatever it may be, that Allah the Almighty helps those people, and uh, you know, may Allah protect us in the future from these natural disasters oh. as well, isn't it? And, uh, you know, with that, we can conclude the show with this prayer and uh, join us after the news where we will go in 
to our next topic. Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace be upon you all and welcome back to the second hour of today's Drive Time Show. Myself, Saad Ahmed and Brother Sajil are your presenters for today. We spoke about in the first hour about the floods which occurred in Pakistan a year earlier in 2022 and how the disaster management or the disaster relief managements were able to um, help out all, all the all the all the unsung heroes who were there at, at that very moment and even carrying on their duties or, um, even after that it was quite um, interesting to find out many things and it's always um, really um, inspiring to listen to those who were there or those who are donating for them but yes we had less time obviously i would have i would have given it even longer than that um, but the show must go on as they say <laughs> now this in the second hour we will be speaking about um faith first and do not get distracted by worldly pursuits mm. this is a quite interesting topic that you know obviously the radio um, is called voice of islam and we'll be speaking about having deen over dunya means deen means religion and dunya means world mm. and this is quite a uh, interesting topic in in itself and that's why it was chosen to be and that's why i chose it to produce so <laughs> first of all uh, shajil uh, what is a deen over dunya it's you know it's to put it in simple to put it in simple terms it's uh, it's it's putting your sort of worldly desires in their place correct so it, it's important to understand that Islam teaches, right, that we Islam teaches that we that we put put our faith over the world, right? Indeed. But that doesn't mean that we leave the world completely. Right? A lot of people think that you know, a lot of people think that, you know, we're living in this world and uh, you know, there are so many technological advancements, other things which are coming into play as well. Um, a lot of you know the, the world has progressed so much. Can we use these things, or can we not use these things? And a lot of people ask that. Oh no, no, no! It's 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 unlawful to 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 drive a car. It's unlawful to uh, to 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 read a book, or it's unlawful to do other things as well. I mean, some people have very you know sort of strong um, strong opinions. You know, oh no, we can't use a mobile phone because you know it's got other things on it as well. I mean, a lot of people have this weird conception as well. Yes. But it's important to understand that when we say put your faith over the world or over the worldly desires, it means that you need to have priorities. So the priority is definitely to put the world first. Right? Indeed. And all of the other things which are, which, you know, which are, you know, you know sort of your personal things or your, your, your worldly things, Suppress those things you know, so that they don't come out and they don't overtake or they come into the place of your world. You know, they don't give precedence over the, the, over, over the, the, over the faith. Correct. So the faith needs to have precedence. Yes, you know, Islam that is such a beautiful religion Absolutely. that it emphasizes um, the need for balance between worldly hmm. um, um, responsibilities and spiritual obligations. Hmm. 
you know, this balance is achieved by placing your faith first, yeah. ensuring that it serves as a guiding light in all aspects of life. You know, that's why we are encouraged, the Muslims are encouraged to engage in act of worship. Um, that's why we have the five daily prayers, Salah, mm. Salat, Namaz, prayer, you, whatever name you want to um, take, then yeah, you have cool, the, yeah. I'll call it, and uh, you have then the fasting during the Ramadan, mm. then you have giving charity, zakat, and then also um, once in a lifetime obligation is if you're able to, with the many, the different conditions with it, the Hajj, the pilgrimage, mm, also, mm, mm, yeah, as a means of you know, um, strengthening your connection with um, Allah the Almighty and maintaining Absolutely. your faith. Um, to the um, utmost um, um, or foremost priority. And, you know, Shajil, Islam has said two things also. There's, there's the, the rights towards Allah the Almighty and the rights towards the mankind. Hmm. So, this is a simple summary what Islam is all about, that you have your duties and due and diligence for Allah the Almighty and mm. also for you for the man of mankind, as we spoke about in the first hour. So this is quite a, quite a unique thing about Islam, as you know, it's a religion, but you can always link it back to, to the worldly aspect also. Yeah. Um, serving your mankind, kukulibad, um, the rights towards um towards um towards mankind. That was um, um all these members um who were helping out when the disaster struck in 2022 in Pakistan. That was fulfilling their duty towards um the towards their mankind. To, yeah. towards mankind, and that is part of your religion. Mm. It absolutely is. It absolutely is because, like you mentioned, the promised Messiah upon whom we peace, who was the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has said on so many different occasions that the the religion of Islam has has it can be divided into two categories one is just like you mentioned yes. just to reiterate that one is to fulfill the rights of god and the other is to fulfill the rights of mankind now fulfilling the rights of mankind are those duties which sometimes we can neglect and uh, of course you can neglect the, your duties towards 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 god almighty as well your responsibilities toward the, that you owe to god almighty such as you know you need to pray to him five times a day like you mentioned so these things can be done quite easily though but the rights of mankind are somewhat more, more, somewhat more difficult, and in the sense that, you know, sometimes someone does something wrong to you, and you do something wrong back to them. That's not a good thing to do. Correct. So what Islam teaches is that if somebody does wrong to you, you still do good to him. You still do good to that person. In fact, you even pray for that person, and. Even if somebody hasn't done anything wrong to you, right? You still do good to that person as well. Yes. So this is, you know, Islam is like you mentioned. Is it is a yes, it is a religion, but because it's such a complete religion, it's taught us how to live our life. This is why Islam is a way of life. Indeed. You know, we wake up. There's a prayer for that. We sleep. There's a prayer for that. We 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 eat. Start eating. We finish our e eating our meal. You know, there's there's a prayer for literally everything. There's a prayer for going outside. There's a prayer for going to the mosque. There's a prayer coming out of the mosque. We have the five daily prayers as well. There's so many, you know, where you wear new clothes. There's a prayer for that. You go up on a on a you know elevated place. There's a prayer for that. You come down. There's a prayer for that. There's a prayer for literally everything. And these prayers remind us that whatever we do, we need to link that with God Almighty. Indeed. And with that, that is how we can put our faith over the world.
if we prioritize God Almighty, who is our creator, right? If we put him first, whenever we, you know, there's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, before you start doing anything, you say the name, you invoke the name of, of God. You say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of, in the name of Allah, in the name of God, the most gracious, ever merciful. So that is also a reminder that, you know, I'm about to do something and let me say the name of God. Let me invoke the name of God. And maybe, you know, if God wills, he can put blessings in this. Yes. But it's all, like I mentioned, it's a reminder as well that if we're about to do something bad and because you have the habit of, you know, invoking God's name, you're, you start invoking God's name and then you realize, that you know what, let me stop doing this bad thing because this is not a good thing. It's not something that I should actually be doing. So let me stop that. Let me refrain from that. So that is also a reminder. And that reminder can only be there once you put faith over your worldly desires as well. Correct. If you actually give precedence to religion, if you give precedence to your faith, if you give precedence to your iman, your belief, if you give precedence to 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 actually have this in you that whatever I am doing, may God be pleased with that. So if you're doing it to win God's pleasure, that's also a very good thing as well. You know, and, you, you just yeah. mentioned iman there. It's mm. basically a faith of yeah. belief. And is a of paramount sig- um, significance that uh, it encompasses um, a strong belief um, in the oneness of Allah the Almighty yeah. and the prophethood of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the commitment to living a righteous and moral um, life according to the teachings of the Holy Quran and the Sunnah, which mean the actions of. Mm. Of the Holy Prophet um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the these the sayings of uh, of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, yeah, and the central to this faith is the notion that um, worldly uh, is the, uh, the worldly pursuits, while necessary for um, sustenance and well-being, should not take precedence over one's spiritual growth and devotion to Allah the Almighty. You know, as you mentioned about faith first, Sajil. Mm. Um, just over the weekend, be um, the other Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association had the annual gathering in the Hampshire, and uh, many people sacrificed time, um, mm. um, 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 their work, wealth, and many other things to literally, be there yeah, just to yeah, literally just to revive or um, or to understand the faith even better. There were people who travelled. Um, from Scotland all the way down to um, um, to the Hampshire and people throughout the UK, Northern Ireland, um, from Wales, from mm. England, from various different regions, yeah. um, cities, up and down the up country, up and down the country, came to one little, uh, one small place. Uh, I, I think there were about um, seven thousand, just under seven thousand, just yeah. under yeah. seven thousand uh, members there of, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, yeah. Yeah. and. It was such a uh, beautiful um, three days to see that people from various different walks of life are doing various different um, 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 jobs hmm. uh, or their uh, duties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In in that um, one, for example, a guy who is a designer, web designer, uh, does drop shipping, whatnot, uh, is is more uh, into IT. Hmm. He he was doing some. Um, 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 games for the children, mm. um, organizing games for that 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 the, that the young children are able to enjoy. Yeah. Um, their three days um while staying, uh, in that annual gathering of the of the youth, and there were different people who were um, helping out 
making the food, making the tea, um, the broadcasting, the messaging, the uh, well, the designs, and there were various different departments. Mm, you literally. have the cleaning up department there. You yeah, have the hygiene the department, department yeah, there. Yeah. You have a moral a training department mm. helping or making sure everyone goes to prayer on time. There or there is a sports department making sure all the sports which are ha- happening. Uh, happening on the correct time are uh, according to the rules and you have a health, a f- health and safety department there so for example god forbid any injury might be sustained they were able to treat them there and then and to make sure everyone on the site is safe you have a parking management department mm. which is quite a, quite a really <laughs> yeah. difficult job where yeah. you have such a vast number of cars coming in at, at one point uh, at, the, at the same time and being able to direct them to the car park make sure they're all parked up yeah. they're aligned and they're easily uh, able to go out again so there is a, a no time wasted um, by a traffic build up mm. so this was all done just in the name of faith to Literally. understand faith this is what faith is faith oh, um, first and don't get um, um, distracted by worldly it's uh, true it's, it's absolutely true as well and the, you know, it's, it's good that you mentioned that as well because it's it's something which uh, the Ahmadi Muslim community we have these auxiliary organisations, right? Yes, and they are split into into five different organisations, um, auxiliaries. So the, we have the the women's; they have their separate one, and then the 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 men's have the other one as well. So you have Correct. the you know the kids, the absolute kids, and then you have the youth, and then you have the elderly. Uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be they'll be happy to be called elderly, but uh, you know it's it's the older ones as well. So I mean it's, it's split into split into different categories, and each sort of auxiliary organization have has their own pledge. Correct. So before any formal proceedings uh, take place, right? Um, the, we, you know we have we have a pledge that we say. So whoever is the is sort of the in charge or the main, you know, the chairman, you can say. Uh, the the person who is the who, you know who 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 is actually the the you know, the president you can say of that auxiliary organization he leads that um, yes. and then you know the all the all of the people they follow that as well so they, they do a pledge and in that it's mentioned that we will give precedence to our faith over all worldly objects as well and various other uh, things which are mentioned in the pledge as also now it's important that we remember this because as we are Muslims, right? We need to understand the teachings of Islam firstly, but also with the understanding of the religion, acting upon the religion as well. So there are people who, who you know, who, who would question the religion of Islam, or they will question the any other religion. But if you're a practicing, um, you know, a practicing Muslim, and you 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 encounter these people who you know who who try to raise these allegations against Islam. Correct. But you can give them your practical example that you know you think that Islam teaches oppression. You think that Islam teaches me to you know to just uh, suppress my um, suppress my emotions and not even have a life, be like a dead robot, and you know just do your five daily prayers and that's it. But no, that's not true. If you're a practicing Muslim, you can tell that person that no, that's simply not true. Islam has Islam is the one that has given me life. Correct. It's told me how to live my live my life, because it's such a like I mentioned before. We mentioned this that Islam is such a complete religion that you know everything that we do has got the name Islam in it. Correct. Everything that we do, whatever it may be, maybe a big thing, maybe a small thing, 
right? We, uh, we, we have been taught that by the Holy Prophet, the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And because he was such a perfect role model for all of us, for the whole of mankind, he was given this title of the, the mercy for mankind. And, you know, people, you know, the Jews, sometimes they used to ask that, you know, look at your prophet. He, you know, why is he telling you to do or teaching you to do small, small things? You know, when your nails get long, cut cut your nails, your, you know, your, um, you know, your hair under your armpits or that kind of thing. Why, why is he telling you to cut all of this, to, you know, comb your hair and all of this, you know, look nice, look presentable? You know, but but then the, obviously the, the 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 companions they they told they told the, they told those Jews and the people who were complaining that you know if if something is not there then obviously you're not going to do it. Correct. If the teaching is there, you would definitely do it. And Islam is such a religion that it is for literally everyone. Indeed, it puts you from the from the from the very very lowest stage onto a onto a a conscious stage. And from that conscious stage, it gives you, it teaches you morals. So it puts you on that conscious stage to that moral stage. And then, you know, for when you're on that moral stage, it teaches you um, how to live your life or, or in a better way. From It lifts you from an animal into a human being. Yes. From a human to a conscious human being, to a moral human being, and then to a spiritual um, status as well. Indeed. So And that spiritual status connects you with God Almighty. So Islam has given the answers, the solutions to every single problem when it comes to spirituality. Whether you're at the bottom stage, whether you're in the middle stage, whether in your higher stage, or whether you're, even, you're on even the higher stage as well. So, you know, the, it's, because it's such a complete religion, um, the, you know, it's something which uh, a lot of people need to look into. And when people do look into it, they, they realize that, you know what, this is actually what I was missing. This is Correct. the missing piece. And of in their life, you know, Shajil, um, the Deen is such a beautiful. I'm sorry, religion is such a beautiful uh, topic to discuss. Mm. Yeah, and understand if, as we've mentioned before, about the youth organization yeah. um, held their annual gathering. Even the women organization held their um, annual gathering a week earlier than uh, than that. Um, but before I go on to that and tell you a little bit more about it mm-hmm. I wanted to get, have a small clip of His Holiness Mella Bisapa where Absolutely. he talks about um, how should we um, keep our young um, Ahmadis um, attached to the faith and yeah. here's what His Holiness had to say Allah Ta'ala says in the Holy Quran that your job is just to keep on reminding the people and advising them and pray for them as well not that after some time you try to give up. No, we are not going to give up. Since they claim themselves to be an Ahmadi and uh, they do not want themselves to be removed from the Jamaat, then it is our duty to use each and every mayor to bring them to the fold of Ahmadiyyad in a way which has been prescribed in our literature and most importantly, in the Holy Quran. So tell them that these are the injunction commandments. You see, Quran says you wear modest dress. This is the Quranic injunction. Quran says you do hijab and do parda. That is Quranic injunction. Not, not that the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam is only practicing it and imposing it. No. This is the Quranic commandment. And there are so many others. Do, doing talawad, offering five daily prayers, 
so these are the things which you have to make them realize so keep on doing it gently with love with care and they should also realize that you are their sympathizers you are whatever you are doing is for their betterment you are trying to save them from the the wrongs of this society see so once they realize it then they will one day follow you and pray for them as well yes of course we have to pray but you say that after some time after advising them once or twice or three times or three four time you leave it or give it up no you have to be very much persuasive ha eh? try to be persuasive that is your job and that is the commandment given in the holy quran inna manta muzakkir that is the injunction given to the holy prophet sallallahu keep on advising them keep on admonishing them try to explain to them the good teachings of islam and this is your job right right if your amla members at the national level at the regional level as i already said and the local levels are active and following your programs and plans then it me this this means you have achieved 50% or more of your target so try to see to it that your amla members are following your plans or not if they set their good examples then the members will also follow them right we have to set our own example then we can hope for the better results okay sir saiba okay ji allah hafiz aur nasir ho assalam alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh assalam alaikum so this was his holiness speaking about how we should keep um our young ahmadis attached to their religion and just just to um point out some points here um some words which his holiness malabi's helper has used um is is used sadr sahibas sadr means a um head of a of something um but here is sadr sahiba which is she is a head of the women's authority um, of a certain branch and um sahiba is just used for respect and the members of the amla is basically the P, the members who are inside her committee that's what um, these keywords stand for and then obviously his holiness may allah be his helper um even asked um told sorry and which is that we should always remind and keep telling our youngsters and about it so this is how we can keep them attached to the faith and carrying on um obviously as we've mentioned I mentioned before is about the youth um held their um, annual gathering um, la- um this um the weekend which just passed um friday saturday and sunday a week early to this the women's um um tm um, um auxiliary also held their um annual gathering in the hampshires and his holiness um said about um um what said about this was in all respects um men and women are equal when when speaking about um prayers and other stuff um he mentioned this uh for example in terms of building a relationship uh, with allah the almighty where allah had instructed men to submit um to him to worship him and to establish a living relation with their creator he required the same for, um of women hmm. likewise and it's also mentioned is in the world we live in today much is said about women's rights and 
false allegations are routinely raised against Islam. If a Muslim woman directly responds to such allegations by profoundly professing her faith and using her intellect, um, it will hold much greater weight than if any man responds on her behalf. So you know this is thus this is why uh, these monumental moral and spiritual objectives um, so were established a um, century ago by um, the caliph at that time as a Muslim of um, and the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, um, in 1922. Then for another fact, which is. This was the very first um, auxiliary organization which, which was established and the and the youth, which is the Khudam Ahmadi organization, that was established, um, if, I'm, if I'm getting the, the calculations right, uh, 16 years after in 1938. And when 2022, in 1922, the, um, the ladies organization was established and then in 38, 16 years apart, um, they, the men's, um, um, auxiliary was um, um, established, and then in 1940, the um, elder um, members um, of the Jamaat, the men, uh, that was established, and the youth um, for the children at that time of mm. the men's section was established in 1940. So, it's, uh, this is um, the beauty of, of faith that it has given uh, the rights to, to the women even before, even, uh, oh, oh, sorry, they, uh, they had their own. Um, separate departments established well before even the men had established their own departments hmm. in thirty-eight. So these were, you know, some um, extra facts which I wanted to put in. Obviously, then you have the stories of the prophets um, about their trust in God. Uh, for example, the story of Hazrat, um, the Prophet Noah, um, uh, peace be upon him, where it's mentioned in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states, and as he was constructing the ship whenever the chiefs of his people passed by him they made a mockery of him he said if you mock at us so do we mock at you likewise for for your mocking and you will know who it is on whom will come a torment that will cover him with disgrace and whom will fall a lasting torment this is mm. mentioned in chapter yeah. 11 um, verse 38-39 so you can see um, that from the history of when, when the uh, um, the the tour, uh, when the flood came and uh, 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 the prophet Noah peace be upon him was saved and the people of Noah were saved because they had the trust in Allah the Almighty hmm. and obviously there's the story of, um, of um, the, his son trying to take, he said, no, I'll take refuge on a high place. And um, and the um, faith came between them and he was never seen after that. Hmm. So these yeah. are, this is a story of Prophet Noah and likewise about a story about the uh, Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that he, that he was prosecuted for the 13 years of the, when he proclaimed that he is a prophet of Allah the Almighty the first 13 years. Um, he was pr prosecuted before um, he was able to migrate to Medina. While he was, um, you know, he's leaving his beloved city of Mecca, uh, he recited the, the verse in hope 
of being able to re-enter right. um, his beloved city Makkah um, with the truth of Islam. And it's stated in chapter 17, verse 81, O oh my Lord, make my entry a good entry, and then make me come forth with good for, uh, forthcoming, and grant me from thyself a helping power. And we see when mm. um, the victory of Mecca happened, that he entered with um, 10,000 Muslims um, in, inside Mecca at that time, yeah. and he became victorious um, um, after, after the 13 years of persecution. You know, there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, obviously prophets, right? Prophets, messengers of God, they, they go through so many different trials. Correct. And they have to go through these different trials because Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran that do the, you know, do the people who say that they believe, do they think that we will let them just go by that without even us, you know, putting, uh, putting in, them into trial? So people before them were also trialed. Correct. Uh, you know, they were put through trials. So it's it's only natural that the prophets, which are the most beloved of God Almighty, they are the ones who go through and they have to endure so much hardship. They have to go through that hardship. They have to go through those trials and tribulations, persecution. They have to go through ridicule. People mock them, try to mock them. People try to do a lot of bad things to them and their people. But in the end, Allah the Almighty says that in the end, the truth or whoever is on the side of the truth or with the truth, they are the ones who will definitely be victorious. And this is exactly what we have seen with every single prophet, whether it, whether it was Prophet Noah, whether it was Prophet Abraham, Prophet Moses, Prophet Jesus, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. All of these prophets, in the end, them and their followers, they become victorious they're true followers i mean to say yes now this is exactly what we are seeing in in this day and age as well because the holy prophet if he himself has said peace and blessings of allah be upon him that in the latter days to revive the teachings of islam there will be there will be the messiah who will come back and that messiah will be you know a, a promised messiah and the you know he will join hands with the mahdi in other words him both of them would be one and the same. They'll be the same person, right? Yes. So if they are the same person, now the, you know, the Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, who claimed to be that very same awaited Mahdi, he was the one who claimed to be that promised Messiah. And he is the one who said that God Almighty has sent me to revive the teachings of Islam, the teachings that had been forgotten, the teachings that had been um, you know, cast away the teachings that had been said that oh, we do not fo need to follow this teaching. Oh, this verse is abrogated. That verse is abrogated. This teaching is not anymore. This that teaching is not anymore. No, this is not the case. Every single word of the Holy Quran is the same, and every single word of the Holy Quran is very much ap applicable. And the pr promised Messiah upon whom be peace, he founded the community, right? He founded the community, which is the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And then he said that those people who would, who are the ones who want to follow the teachings of Islam, follow the sayings and the practices of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, join my hand and my community. And to do that, you need to promise to put your faith over your worldly desires. Indeed. And this is exactly what he did. But obviously, like any other prophet, 
he also faced persecution. He also faced ridicule. People used to write to him letters upon letters upon letters upon letters. And literally sacks were full of these letters, briefcases, all of these, you know, cupboards were full of these, of these, new, of these letters that people, of just him mocking him, trying to mock him and using bad, you know, bad words against him. But this was bound to happen Indeed. because he was also a prophet of God Almighty. Of course, under, under the, 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 uh, you know, under the teachings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in a sense that, you know, he himself said that he was a prophet. So who are we to deny that he is not a prophet? Indeed, you know, um, when when mentioning this, there's always one thing which is one that ultimately everything is done to, um, for Allah the Almighty. Yeah. And in Quran says, in in chapter six, verse um, hundred sixty, that say my prayer and my sacrifice and my life and my death are all for hmm. Allah. The Lord of all the worlds. Then this makes us understand. Ultimately, we um, we were meeting our um, Creator in in the hereafter. So developing a good relationship with Allah the Almighty and trusting Him and His uh, providence is um, this is our main uh, is, is one of uh, is, is is objective of ours. Reminding oneself um, to not um, get um, dragged down by small inconveniences which won't matter in the long term if you are in for example in a situation right now that is bothering you um we should ask ourselves will this matter in a week is it worth our anxiety you know we should ask ourselves for example oh my phone is not working let's uh, let's, let's say a worldly thing right my phone is the battery is dropping really quickly <clears throat> but in long term will it affect me is it is it um, worth worrying about? Obviously, you can always plug it in, have a power bank with you. These are solutions to it, right? Like it's, it's, it's such a minute thing on, on a larger scale. Hmm. Hmm. So we should always think about how we can please our creator. Exactly. And how we can fulfill our rights to him and his mankind. This is our objective of being here. And then always... And his um his holiness um has a khalifatul masih the fifth may allah be his helper um has a, a, a musul ahmed um, said in one of his friday sermons that an um absence of trust in allah brings about many ills one begins to consider one's superiors as uh, the real benefactors and indulges in um saphonacy um, and flattery that leads one to shirk. Uh, as, um, um, His Holiness mentioned further, those who do not worship Allah the Almighty could not inculcate um, trust in Him. Um, he prayed that may Allah have mercy on such people and he enjoyed praying to Allah and added that Muslims in general and our community in particular should never under uh, undervalue the prayer, the dua, and then His Holiness um, said that there is um, much uh, discontent and agitation in the world today. Hmm. Hmm. This is because materialism is on the increase yeah. and less trust is put in Allah the Almighty. Hazur, uh, um, Hazur means His Holiness. Allah yeah. yeah. said that the way to make life pleasant and agreeable was to pray reverently. Yeah. yeah. So that's the key, th isn't that's it? That's the key to it. Oh, um, then... 
we are, I'm looking at the time here right now. The time is flying out of our hands today. We spoke with one <laughs> of um, a, a guest um, earlier. He's from New Zealand. He's a brother, a colleague, a roommate of mine. Um, who, who used to be when we used to study together. Now he's posted in New Zealand, and it was really difficult to manage our timings because there's a 12-hour gap right. between us. So when it's day here, it's night there, and it's really difficult to be able to uh, agree on a time. So I spoke with him about how we can put um, faith first and not get distracted by the world, and here is what Asif Munir had to say. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace be upon you all. And welcome to a pre-recording of the Tuesday Drive Time Show. Today, I have with myself a brother of mine, a colleague of mine, a roommate of mine, Asif Munir Sahib, who is a missionary serving right now in New Zealand. That's why, hence, he has agreed to do it just outside on on our live uh, live show for Tuesday. Assalamu alaikum, Asif. First of all, how are you? Welcome, Salam, Saad Sahib. How are you? Zakallah, Alhamdulillah. So you know, Asif, as you know, the topic in discussion today is faith first. Um, don't get distracted by worldly pursuits. So I wanted to ask you, what does the phrase first faith mean uh, to to you personally, and how does it um, guide you in life? Well, when when I Hear the word faith. There are two things that come into my mind. There are two aspects that come into my mind. The first, there is an aspect of spirituality because faith is the pathway towards God Almighty because every single faith in their own way or in their own dimension, they tend to explain how to have a connection or communion or how to build a bond with God Almighty. So first of all, faith, its main purpose is to build a spiritual connection with the higher being or God Almighty. And the second aspect of faith, the second aspect of faith that comes into my mind is the social aspect of faith, that the do's and don'ts of in this life. Because just like, you know, just like you receive any manual sheet for mm-hmm. anything, faith is that manual sheet or is the manual for this very life because it tells you what to do, what not to do. It tells you um, what to refrain from, what you should do, what sort of path you should tread on, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, Asif, um, you're a young Muslim who has lived in Germany, in the United Kingdom, now also living in New Zealand. So how can one make, um, how can one be sure that they are not distracted by world, about by the world when it comes to faith? Well, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he makes it very clear that, you know, in this world, you're meant to balance your worldly pursuits and your religious pursuits. Right. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad, he was a perfect example of this because he was also a father, a um, a husband as well. And at the same time, he was a spiritual leader for thousands of people at that time. And if the Prophet Muhammad can balance, you know, his duties, then who are we? Of course, we can balance our duties as well. So I think the first thing that every youth or young Muslim in the Western society should do is they should acquaint themselves about the teachings of Islam. They should understand and they should try to increase the knowledge and they should be really confident of who they are because of course living in a Western society we may face some atheists, not some, a lot of atheists, Christians or non-Muslims or people who just have something against religion. But being a young Muslim we should be proud and proudly proclaim 
uh, proclaim to people that we are Muslims. Because once we understand why we are Muslims, then there will be no inferiority complex. Interesting, Zakla Asif. You know, in today's um, fast-paced society, um, a materialistic world, how do you maintain your focus on faith and prevent distractions um, from taking over? If a if a young Muslim or if any Muslim in this in this materialistic life in this materialistic world where there is glitter glamour all over our mobile phones or in front of us, sometimes it becomes really hard. You know that is really it becomes really hard to focus on your faith because mm-hmm. the the biggest issue in today's society is mental health. Uh, mental mental sickness, right? Mm-hmm. Mental sickness, and studies shows that it is through social media that people are having more depression or they are facing some sort of anxiety. Why? Because they have a habit of comparing their lives with others, and this is what social media does. It it throws glitter, if if it throws the glitter and glamour of this world on your face. So what what every what every single Muslim should do is prioritize religion in the first place. And the Holy Prophet Muhammad makes very clear that whatever you do in this life, do it for God Almighty. And it's really interesting to note that for us Muslims, um, when whenever we start something in this, whenever we start something, a small action, whether it's eating food, entering the homes, leaving the homes, and um, entering the mosque. Entering, you know, even to even entering the bathroom, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, he always taught us a prayer, which starts with Allahumma or Bismillah or Alhamdulillah, in the name of Allah, oh Allah, all, all praise belongs to Allah. Because the Prophet Muhammad, he told us that whatever we do in this life, we should always remember Allah in every single aspect. So I think in this life, if the youth are getting distracted, from the glitter and glamour of this world, mm-hmm. they should always bring. They should always bring Allah in the equation. Indeed, they all should bring. We all should bring Allah into our equation. So, brother Asif, can you share some practical um, strategics or advice for individuals who want to prioritize their faith and minimize distractions from um, worldly pursuits? I think it's really interesting to note that last week in Hazur's Friday sermon, Hazur Anwar. Our spiritual leader, the fifth caliph of the MD Muslim community, Azim Rizal Musul Rahmat, may Allah be sober. He mentioned a very interesting point in his Friday sermon when he narrated the first battle of Islam, which is called Battle of Badr. He said that there are many people, especially the youth, who are writing letters to me regarding the truthfulness of Islam or the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And he said that these people, these youths into the society, they are doubting their faith. They are doubting the truthfulness of Islam. And Hazul makes it, the, uh, our beloved Imam, the spiritual uh, spiritual leader, the Caliph, he, he very clearly stated in bold words that increase your Islamic knowledge. Understand why you are a Muslim in the first place. And like this, no f- doubt, no materialistic pursuits will ever deceive you. And I think faith is the ultimate, ultimate um, re- um, remedy for every um, solution. Because whether it's, you know, from a domestic thing, a materialistic thing, or whichever realm we're talking about, if we put faith or if you put God in the equation, everything will go smoothly, especially living in this worldly materialistic life. And that's how that's how a, a young Muslim will always tend to remember a God or God Almighty. Exactly. So before we let you go today, um, Brother Asif, Last question to you is, how do you view the role of a community uh, and the support from like-minded individuals 
in staying focused on faith? Well, I think every Muslim can agree that by praying five daily prayers in congregation, shoulder to shoulder, standing with your brothers in faith, can help you mentally. And this is what God Almighty refers to in the, in the Holy Quran as well, that be with those who are truthful, be with those who are good. And from this, we can um, allude that your company plays a big role. And th that's what Islam emphasizes as well, that be with those who are good, because when you are with those who are good, then you would be good as well. So living with Muslims or going to the mosque, staying connected with your community, will definitely help you with your spirituality and your mindset as well. Because if you have friends who are only worldly driven, then you're most likely going to be worldly driven as well. And if, but however, if your friends are religious, if your friends are righteous, if they are God-fearing people, if they like to talk about religion, then you are most likely going to emulate their paths as well. Zakhlaab, brother Asif. Zakhlaab, um, Asif, for first of all joining us today. You know, I know we are 12 hours apart from one another. But we have lived seven years, eight years, in fact, together. It is always a pleasure to speak with you on different topics about faith. And it's the first time I have been able to get you on to my show. Zakla for joining us today. Zakla, Zakla for having me, Saad. Thank you very much. Zakla, This is an interview with Asif Munir, brother Asif Munir, who was uh, and, and is a brother of mine we were 12 hours apart and it is amazing how we are able to speak about faith even while we're sitting um 12 hours apart and and oceans across hmm. and technology is a, in, is enabling us to be able to speak about a religion so you know uh, technology is is, is is also a vital part in in, in today's society that's the thing. In 21st century that, that's why I mentioned that's why I mentioned in the in the in the beginning as well that these technological advancements if they're used in the proper way great, great, great. Then, then they can be at our service and we need to use these things as well because the way that the world is progressing and all of these new technologies which are coming out we we need to utilize it in the best of our in the best of our ability. Indeed, and we need to use that to propagate the teachings of Islam, the beautiful, the actual, you know, the actual face of Islam. We need to present that to the world, instead of all these other nonsense which other people, um, you know, the propaganda that they are raising, that they're trying to cause, that they're trying to raise. Instead of that, we need to counter that with the actual face of Islam. And when people realize that, then that is that is that that is what's going to be. Indeed. The, the turning point. So there's obviously Inshallah. always room of, room for improvement in uh, um, um, regarding your faith. Yeah. So His Holiness um, gave guidance to the uh, the members uh, of of the community, and some because when someone asked uh, asked His Holiness, how can I improve myself? Mm -hmm. And this is mm -hmm. the guidance of His Holiness. My question is: I constantly pray for my spiritual ad advancement, but the next day I don't feel any progress. Can you guide me on how I can improve myself? You see, it is not necessary that uh, you, you immediately get the result of it. Eh? There was a saint who used to pray for something, eh? and he was just fervently praying for that. Eh? And every day he had such a close relation with Allah Ta'ala that every day he will receive the, the answer of Allah Ta'ala that no, your, your prayers are not accepted. One day, 
one of his uh, companion or follower was present and in his presence when the, the, the saint was praying the, the same answer came from Allah Ta'ala and that answer was also heard by the companion then the, his followers or the companion said that if Allah Ta'ala says that I am not going to accept your prayer why are you are praying then leave it the saint said that I have been praying for last 30 years and I receive this answer daily still I am doing it and I will keep on doing it unless Allah Ta'ala accepts it where should I go then then immediately there was the voice came and it was heard by the companion as well that all your prayers you you did you offered during last 30 years have been accepted because of this one sentence so you should not try to make haste if you you see if you are praying to Allah Ta'ala for your spiritual advancement then do you also check that whether you are following the commandments of Allah Allah Ta'ala says that you have to be firm in your faith in the Holy Quran when you are firm in your faith then when you are praying I will accept your prayers right and uh, I will increase your status spiritual status you will have to pray in your five daily prayers and if possible in congregation and pray fervently offer nawafil and then follow the teaching of the Holy Quran as I have already said then Allah Ta'ala will advance you. Not that you just, uh, just in, a, in a light mood, you offer your prayer and then say, Allah Ta'ala, oh Allah Ta'ala, increase my spiritual status and then Allah Ta'ala will say, okay, now I'm going to make you a saint. No, you cannot be a saint in one night. Yeah? It's a, it's a continuous process. Jahadu Fina. Allah Ta'ala says, you have to strive hard, struggle hard in my way. Then, I will give you this status. So you keep on doing it. One day you will get the answer from Allah Ta'ala that now he has increased your spiritual status. We can, we don't have any other way to go. Eh? Allah Ta'ala is the only thing we, who, we, whom we can uh, uh, go for help, whom we seek help, right? So keep on doing it. One day you will succeed. Never give up. So these were the words of His Holiness, the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper. And that is what the Holy Quran teaches. The Holy Quran says to strive in the way of Allah. Now, a lot of people say that, you know, oh, jihad, the word jihad, this term has been used in the Holy Quran to wage war, to fight battles and all of that, you know, bloodshed and shed, all of that. But... Is there even one place in the Holy Quran where jihad, the word jihad, the term jihad has actually been used to wage war? No, no, it hasn't. When jihad has been used in the Holy Quran, it means to strive in the way of God. Indeed. It means to try your best to act upon the teachings of the Holy Quran. And then Allah the Almighty says, as His Holiness just mentioned right now to, to the guy who asked him the question, that Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran that, you know, he promises the believers that strive in my way and, you know, I will, I, I will, I, and I will put you onto the path which leads to us. Correct. And that is what we need to do. You need to take that first step. You can't just think that, you know, oh, if God wants me, then I'll, then I'll do it. Everything is predestined. 
and uh, if God wants me to be a good believer, then I'll be a good believer. If 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 not, then whatever. I mean, everything is predestined. That's not the right attitude. The attitude should be that I need to do my bit, and then I need to pray, and I need to do my bit again. I need to pray even more, and then Allah the Almighty, you know, continue doing that, and then Allah the Almighty will say, you know, look at this person. He's going through this hardship for me, so. Whatever he is asking for, let me fulfill that. Let me let me show him my path. Let me show him my pleasure, and let me give him this reward as well. And that is when, that is when you put your faith on top of everything else, and then Allah the Almighty blesses you with with that acceptance as well. And that is the ultimate achievement, isn't it? To win His pleasure. Indeed, and His Holiness Hazratul Masih the Fifth, Marzam Masur, and may Allah be His helper. Um, say said this even if the entire world mocks us, um, mocks at us, Nehmadi youth should not care one bit, hmm. for he has every right to exercise his freedom and he is answerable to God Almighty. So we shouldn't be pressured, we shouldn't be scared of practicing our faith. Faith matters, faith should be first, hmm. and all these worldly um, matters should be attained uh, um, are not that really important because it's all about pleasing the Creator exactly. uh, who has exactly. created everything for us. And um, I'm just looking at the time, Shaji, right literally now. Running out of time, and isn't it? Yeah, it's so much to say. Even for the first hour, we had so much to talk about. And I just wanted to just end on these two notes before yeah. we conclude is you know. All um, about the floods which are ha- which happen in Pakistan, or or any disasters which happen throughout the world, we should always uh, try our best um, by by helping out, be it whatever shape or form it it may be. May, you may be able to go there and be in the relief mm. team, mm-hmm. or you be able to donate something, or you financially could you were able to donate something. Just something will go a long way. Likewise, for the second hour, we we spoke about our faith. Uh, faith. We should always remember that Allah the Almighty has created us to worship Him, and this everything which is created is all for the purpose um, um, for Allah and help and and serving His um, serving the rights of Allah the Almighty yeah, and serving yeah. His mankind. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So we we just, we're just heading to the end. Alhamdulillah. Zakallah, brother Sajil, for joining Likewise. me today. Likewise. And Asad, our tech department, always great to work with them, and. Our producers, um, um, Sabika, Tariq, and myself. <laughs> it was good. Uh, it was a good show today. Zakla, inshallah, see you next week. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>